Father Barney McLaughlin, you have just completed a DVD that you've made. You're a Jesuit. And the term Gonzaga, probably known to people in Dublin for the school Gonzaga. But in actual fact, it's named after a man called Aloysius Gonzaga. And that's who you've done your DVD on. Who is Aloysius Gonzaga? Aloysius Gonzaga is actually the patron saint of all the young people of the world and has been since 1729. Uh, He was one of the earliest of the Jesuit saints from a very wealthy family, the Gonzagas. In fact, the the first opera in the history of opera was by Monteverdi and it was for the Gonzaga court. So they've been very important from a long, long time back. He died when he was only 23 years of age of the plague. In the United States of America, many people see him as the patron saint of those who work with victims of AIDS. Uh, He he was, uh, someone said of him, how unique he was. They said that he was unique in this sense that he was, uh, first of all, he was a, a prince and he was intelligent. <laughs> he was a Gonzaga and he was chaste and he was a Jesuit and he was humble. <laughs> this was the great... But he has been an influence for many, many years. There are many schools and colleges around the world called after him. In Dublin, we have Gonzaga College. But Clongos, where I live, it is also the college, St Aloysius College for Borders. Now... Gonzaga and Aloysius, the same person, Aloysius Gonzaga, so that might confuse people. He uh, uh, died very young and patron saint of the youth of the world. One person who would have been inspired by him was uh, Therese of Lisieux. For instance, she was listening to a reading in the refectory one day of the life of Aloysius Gonzaga. And in the book, it said that a man had been cured through his influence and the proof that he was cured was his bed was covered with roses she said to her sisters when i go to heaven i'm going to send down a shower of roses so she was inspired by aloysius gonzaga so i this tries to tell the story my idea was we wanted to give real models to young people and here was one who was he was highly intelligent he gave up great wealth in order to follow Christ. He led a very rigorously holy life. But he died in 1591. And there were few miracles between 1591 and the year 1600. So the general of the Jesuits and the Pope and all the bishops who had admired this young man wondered how they got it wrong. Then a saint called St. Magdalena de Pazza had a vision of this saint in her convent in Florence, of this saint who seemed to be way light years above all the others. And she discovered this was Gonzaga, and she'd seen him when he was a boy. And as a proof that what her vision was authentic, one of the sisters in the convent who was on the point of death was cured dramatically on the point of death. In the next ten years, there's something like 2,000 miracles accounted for in the first 10 years of the 17th century attributed to Aloysius Gonzaga. So he's a model for young people. He was a, he, he, uh, 
He worked with the poor, didn't he? He actually died ministering to people in the plague and it astonished the Jesuits because the Father General assumed, he was known as the General Alino, that was the little general. They assumed he would one day be the General of the Jesuits. He was so outstanding. Uh, but they couldn't believe it that he had died at 23, so he'd remained, he's always known as somebody young. So that was the idea was to present this saint to young people that they could admire again and find out about because he lived in troubled times. He himself would have ha- would have thought he was a bit troubled himself. What did he say about when he was he, why he entered religious orders? Yeah, he said he felt himself like a piece of twisted iron that had to be straightened out. His mother was a profoundly holy woman, Martha, but his father gambled enormous sums of money and this broke the son's heart uh, seeing his father do not so much the loss of money but he said to the sinfulness of in, in modern terms the father would have gambled an addict well he would have gambled about thir- the equivalent of about 30 million euros it was vast the sums of money that he but he's, he had a big struggle with the father because the father was a gambler with the instinct of a gambler he knew he was on a winner in this eldest son he knew this son could save the family fortunes because he was so skillful, so able. And there was a big fight between the father and the son when the son announced he was going to join this new religious order. And it's fascinating to see how the struggle went on and eventually the father met his match in his son and he joined the Jesuits when he was about 18 or 19 and only lived four or five years. He wasn't even ordained then? No, he didn't get to ordination, so he's a model for all young religious. And did the father have um, any... Do we know was there any miracle associated with the father? The father wrote a beautiful letter to the general of the Jesuits after the son decided to go. Tell him, I'm giving you the biggest treasure. And the father only lived about two months after the son entered the the order. So there's a lot of strange twists in his life. He would have travelled round Europe with the Empress of Austria and... uh, he met Dorothea of Alsace. Uh, he met all these very beautiful women of Europe, but they didn't seem to turn his head in any way. Dorothea was a woman who had her head screwed on. Yeah, she was. She got an offer of marriage from Henry VIII, <laughs> and she declined on the basis, "I have but one neck." <laughs> He mixed with smart people in his short years with the Jesuits. Oh, he did. And then he joined and the, the others realised that they're in the presence of somebody very, very holy. In fact, Robert Bellarmine, one of the great theologians at the time, uh, was his spiritual director. And Robert Bellarmine said he made an impact on Rome similar to that of St. Thomas Aquinas for his intelligence even when he arrived in Rome to do his theology. And Robert Bellarmine, who was the greatest theologian at the time, asked if he could be buried beside Aloysius Gonzaga. So he's buried beside him in the church of St Ignatius in Rome. And his work with people who were dying of the plague, I mean, he must have known he was leaving himself fairly open to contracting it himself. Oh, he did, but he, he was unconcerned about that. He was just, he, he felt he had to do this. And he died on the last day of the octave of Corpus Christi, which would become some hundred years later, the Feast of the Sacred Heart. And people feel that it was there was a strange mystery in it because in one of it, he cured somebody and he mentioned how he said to this man he, he cured that in heaven the devotion to the Sacred Heart is highly thought of. 
and he died on the day that would become the feast day of the Sacred Heart. 